0: My name is Humble Gray, and I am a Mississippi farmer. Old Lionel Peabody, he's losing his eyesight, I'm afraid. Once an eagle-eyed squirrel hunter, he is at 92, suffering from so-called age-related macular degeneration. Of course, I guess if you're going to suffer from age-related anything, 92 is the time to do it. Problem is, Lionel, he refuses to accept it, won't let on like there's a lick of trouble with his vision, and that has his wife Adelaide beside herself. She not only hid the keys to his truck, she buried his shotgun ammo. I guess she feared he'd mistake someone for a speed bump or a squirrel and end up with a manslaughter charge. Anyway, at first he thought he'd just mislaid those items, but he soon caught on that Adelaide was behind it. She initially denied such doings, but he kept accusing her, and not in a polite way, so she finally lost her temper and shouted, "'Lionel Francis Peabody, if you go squirrel hunting, you're gonna blow somebody's head off. I'm gonna make sure you never load a weapon again.'" Well, sir, old Lionel was just incensed by this response, and so with no way to start his truck, he walked to town intent on buying more ammunition for his gun. Then I'm gonna bag me a scurry of squirrels, he mumbled to himself as he made his way along the road. Though he stumbled over rocks and cans, a consequence of his poor eyesight, by noon he'd reached his destination, i.e. Rick Ronda's arms and ammo. There he asked for his usual, and Rick says... "'I'll fix you right up,' setting a couple boxes of 12-gauge shotgun, shotgun shells on the counter. "'That'll do just fine,' says Lionel. "'It's all I need to teach Adelaide a lesson.' "'Sorry, what?' says Rick. "'Teach my wife a thing or two, says Lionel. "'She's been up to mischief lately, but once I load my shotgun, "'she'll find out just what I'm capable of.' "'Uh,' says Rick, "'could you elaborate on that statement?' "'She thinks I can't shoot straight,' says Lionel. "'But before this day is out, she'll know just how good I can aim.' "'Could you excuse me a second?' says Rick. "'I gotta go in back and make a phone call.' "'Sure thing,' replied Lionel. "'So Rick disappeared for a few moments and then returned to the counter "'where he engaged his customer in small talk. "'How you think the Bulldogs gonna do this season "'and you've been following the rebels?' "'Stuff like that.' "'Till after a couple of minutes, Constable Tim Ridgemont wandered in "'and asked Lionel to accompany him to county. "'So it was that Lionel sat in a jail cell for two hours, "'accused of intending to shoot his missus. "'But Adelaide showed up to vouch for him, "'and it was understood that he was only planning to use a shotgun "'to bring home a bunch of squirrel meat, "'thus showing his wife that his vision was as good as ever. "'Thus he was let go, albeit without his ammunition.' I swear, still having adventures at ninety two. That's not so bad, is it? And I hope that story whetted your appetite for today's review. Oh. It's about another sight impaired individual who poses a danger to others. I refer, of course, to the film Don't Breathe Two. That's two as in part two, not two as in don't breathe too loud, although that can be annoying. Anyway, the movie, it concerns an old blind man, Norman Nordstrom, who lives in a dilapidated house in a depressed neighborhood. Now if you saw the first movie in the series, you understand that despite his age and sightlessness, Norman's a tough old bird who can use his other senses, and I don't mean just to find his way around. No sir, cause when the situation arises and he hears trouble, he's capable of dispatching whoever might invade his house and he can do it with gun, bare hands, or any other weapon that might be lying around. He's also a bit teched, you see, having lost his beloved daughter a while back when she was hit by a car. And when I say a bit teched, I mean he's muy loco, and then some. So much so, in fact, that in the first movie, when thieves break into Norman's house to steal his cash, you end up rooting for the crooks. So it's a bit startling at the beginning of this film to see that now, mysteriously, he's raising a child, an eleven year old girl, in fact, name of Phoenix. Protective of this young and even to the point of psychosis, he allows her almost no contact with the outside world. I mean, you know the fellow's holding the reins a little tight when Phoenix longingly gazes at a brochure for a children's shelter. Can you imagine that conversation? Not that I mind living here, Daddy, but the orphanage is so much more inviting. Anyway, one day Norman allows the girl to make a rare trip into town with their friend, a female veteran named Hernandez. It's there that Phoenix encounters Raylan, a scummy hoodlum who seems to have no good on his mind. This presages a violent attack by the miscreant and his gang on Norman's home, which the old man defends with lethal force. But gaining the upper hand, the bad guys ultimately burn the place down, spiriting Phoenix away to an abandoned hotel. There, Raylan's plans for the girl are revealed, and they're not what you think. But that makes them no less twisted, I can tell you that. And what's Norman's reaction to all this? We had a lot of fun today. No! The old man left for dead rises like a phoenix himself and finds his way to the hotel to stage a rescue. Now, Norman is played by Stephen Lang, and you know who he is. I know who he's not. Well, he is a talented stage and screen actor who played the bad guy Colonel in Avatar. Here he plays. Here he brings an eerie presence to the role of a sightless man who, physically, is solid as a rock and emotionally just as inscrutable. And while he was a malignant force in the first movie, ...here is a steadfast, albeit deranged, guardian of a small child, he serves as a kind of hero—or at least as close as you get to one—in this particular movie. As Raylan Brandon Sexton, the third, makes for a fine villain, ably navigating some reversals of character his evil bearing tinged with a sort of deformed humanity, and Madeline Grace ably enacts the role of Phoenix, demonstrating both innocence and pluck. A pure heart caught between dangerous men, she sees enough trauma in this film to ensure some major therapy bills, or at the very least she'll probably go goth, As for the violence, well, obviously nobody's attending this film for the scintillating dialogue, so, yeah, if it's beatings, pummelings, thrashings, and gougings you're looking for, there's a surfeit of those, though, in the midst of all these violent encounters, the movie does offer a dash of realism, a soupçon, if you will. For unlike horror movie characters in those Halloweens and Friday the thirteenth, Norman is a surprisingly vulnerable monster. His body is not immune to injury, and as he grapples in sweaty combat, he can cry out in pain like the best of them. As for how mortal he is, well, I imagine that'll depend on the box office. All in all, I'd say this film delivers enough fights and frights to satisfy a jaded palate, and enough characterization to hold audience attention between bloodlettings. So, attend the tale if you've a mind to, and see a villain redeemed. Yes, sir. Next week, I'll be reviewing the film The Night House, Sounds like a sequel to Good Night Moon, doesn't it? Night house, night patio, night sofa. You get the idea. Play me out, Zeke!